Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Visit a live archaeological dig site on the very grounds where America began. Or walk the fields where our country was won. Live like a colonial by day or track 18th century ghosts by night. For all the history to be found here, there's plenty more to make for yourself. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. More riots just days before the 2020 presidential election. We're getting some breaking news. This happened overnight. 30 Philadelphia police officers were injured during an hours-long BLM riot in Philadelphia. What prompted the riot? Well, by now, I'm sure you can guess there was a force involved. There was an officer involved killing. What are the circumstances of the killing? Was it some innocent man who was just minding his own business, you know, doodling on a sheet of doing an oil painting and, and watching a sunset? No, he was approaching cops with a knife. The guy was wielding a knife. He was demonstrating force. So the cops responded in kind, cut to hours and hours of riots, which involved one female police officer getting run over, which involved zillions and zillions of people pouring out into the streets and 29 other cops getting injured. Take a listen. Just a cacophony, just a mayhem. And the question comes, why now? Why in this case? The incident itself doesn't seem to justify any kind of riot or protest for that matter. But that's not what it's about. Now, any use of officer force is simply a signal for all of the radicals to pour out into the street and overthrow the system. You can expect a whole lot more of that if Joe Biden gets elected president. You remember CNN was saying, guys, we got to stop the riots. After weeks and weeks of defending the riots, they said, we got to stop the riots. They're showing up in the polls. Well, if there's going to be any silver lining to this storm cloud. Let's hope it shows up in the polls on November 3rd. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday from Eric Thompson. If you're not on the take, then you ain't Joe Biden. (laughs) That's a nice way to switch the Joe Biden claim that if you don't know who you're voting for, you ain't black. If you're not on the take, you ain't Joe Biden. That guy has, has of course, been on the take. You know, some people have raised this issue that uh, the Republican messaging is getting stale. We called Hillary a crook and we're calling Joe Biden a crook. And so that's just not plausible. What are you talking about? Of course it is. Those two politicians have been in the business for a very, very long time, and we have evidence that they have sold their influence. Hillary and Biden are practically the same exact politician. Hillary is a little more detestable just on television and on the campaign trail. Joe Biden's a little more likable, old folksy Uncle Joe, Joe from Scranton or wherever he says he's from this week. But beyond that, they're, they're essentially the same person. They've enriched themselves in public service. They've entered into a lot of shady deals with a lot of foreign actors. And now they're running for president because it's their turn. There are some genuine ideologues on the left. But in terms of the blow in the wind, no principles, corrupt politicians, Hillary and Biden, basically the same thing. They, they figured out certainly how to enrich themselves. By the way, if you want to figure out how you can enrich yourself, you got to check out Acre. <laughs> it's real. it's a way 
to invest that allows you to invest in gold without having a ton of cash at your disposal right now. This has always been an issue with investing in gold. You say, okay, I'd like to, I'd like to buy some gold, but I, but I don't have enough money to go out and buy a gold bar. You know, that's just too expensive. Well, what's great is with, with the price of gold skyrocketing lately, there's a new way you can buy gold through a company called Acre. What Acre lets you do is subscribe to gold bars for as little as $30 per month. But Michael, gold costs more than $30 per bar. Right, I know. So what you do is you pay each month. Once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they will discreetly ship Acre Gold to your house. It's a really great idea. It's a great way to also put you on a regimented plan so that, you know, everyone has the good idea to invest, but often people don't follow the discipline to actually do it just $30 a month, and then it adds up and adds up and adds up. And once it hits the, the price of the actual gold, they will discreetly ship the physical gold to you. I think it's a terrific idea, great way to get involved in investing in physical gold. Acre also just recently introduced their new $100 per month subscription for their five gram gold bar. I myself have invested in precious metals, and I uh, really have enjoyed that experience. Get acregold.com. That's the website. Go to getacregold.com slash Knowles. Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. That sounds pretty great. To qualify for that Twitter post, why you should be the recipient, mention at get underscore Acre. That is getacregold.com slash Knowles. Thank you, Acregold, for supporting our show. Other big news yesterday, we have a new Supreme Court justice, Amy Coney Barrett. She was confirmed yesterday in the Senate, and then President Trump, not wasting any time whatsoever, decides to have the swearing-in ceremony that night at the White House. Clarence Thomas came down from the court to swear in then-judge, now-justice, Amy Barrett. Take a listen. I, Amy Coney Barrett, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation. Without any mental reservation. Or purpose of evasion. Or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. The duties of the office on which I'm about to enter. The duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. All right. Wonderful news. I love that President Trump jumped on this nomination. I love that the Senate pushed the nomination through. And I love that he didn't waste even 12 hours waiting to do it this morning for the swearing in ceremony. They did it last night. I love that Clarence Thomas was the one to do it. Clarence Thomas, you know, the the old school conservative, the old school originalist on the court. Absolutely love everything about that. Some conservatives, though, I think are reacting in a way that is not so helpful. And I d- listen, I get that there is a political optics aspect to all of this. So sometimes conservatives get carried away with this. But there was a member of the Trump campaign who tweeted out, a black conservative Supreme Court justice swearing in a female conservative Supreme Court justice. Epic. 
I thought, what's epic about that? I, I like that Clarence Thomas is swearing in Amy Barrett. I, that's pretty epic. I like that the confirmation has happened so quickly. That's pretty epic. I like various attributes of these two people, Clarence Thomas's story, wh- what we know about Amy Barrett, you know, the seven kids and all that. I think that's all epic. Why is it epic that a black guy swears in a woman? Why should I care? Why, why should I care about that? I think what conservatives often do is we get so excited when we've got a woman to be sworn in. And, the, and it's, she's being sworn in by a man, a black guy, that we want to prove to the left that we're not misogynists and we're not racial bigots. And we're, we, we want to, we're so excited to prove that to them that we focus on race and sex as though they were very top priority political categories. And we think, yeah, take that liberals. See, we're not racist and sexist. They don't, they, one, they don't believe that we're not racist and sexist, but even if they did, they don't care. It's not going to persuade them of anything at all. And actually what it does is just buy into their stupid view of politics that says that we need to have a woman. Forget who the woman is. We just need a woman. We need to have a black guy doing that. Forget who the black guy is. We just need to have a black guy. And I just don't care. When I say that I don't care that Amy Barrett's a woman or that Clarence Thomas is a black guy, I know what it sounds like is I don't, I don't think any less of Amy Barrett because she's a woman or I don't think, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm actually saying is I could not possibly care any less that Republicans put a woman on the court this time. If they had put a man on the court, wouldn't, wouldn't change my opinion at all. As long as the, the man were a solid judge. I, I couldn't possibly care less that Republicans put a black guy on the court. If they put a white guy on the court or a Hispanic guy on the court or an Asian guy on the court or whatever guy on the court, it would not make me happier, wouldn't make me sadder, wouldn't make, wouldn't change my opinion. And I just think we need to stop giving the left their premise here on, on these racial and sexual questions. I know we think we're like, ah, now we're going to prove to them that we're not bigots. You're not going to prove that to them. And who cares? I don't care what they think. I do not care what the left thinks of me, especially on racial and sexual quest questions. They have no credibility whatsoever. And I'm very, I'm very pleased that we have this judge, but I, I don't want to play according to their rules. I want the court to operate well, which by the way, it will not if Joe Biden gets elected. Joe Biden was just asked, thankfully, finally by a, a reporter, what do you think of uh, term limits on the Supreme Court. What do you think of packing the Supreme Court? What do you think of this and that? All these various changes. And Joe Biden, we were talking about this yesterday. He can't give a straight answer on anything. Whenever he gives a straight answer, it puts him in a tough position. So he talks out of both sides of his mouth. Mr. President, you mentioned just a minute ago there that as part of your commission, you would look at how long justices serve on the court. Does that mean that you're open to term limits? No, 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 no. There, there, there is a question about whether or not it's a lifetime appointment. I'm not going to attempt to change that at all. There's some literature among constitutional scholars about the possibility of going from one court to another court, not just always staying the whole time on the Supreme Court. But I have made no judgment, my word. My word is about made no judgment. They're just a group of serious constitutional scholars, have a number of ideas how we should proceed from this point on. And uh, that's what we're going to be doing. I'm going to give them 180 days, God willing, if I'm elected from the time I'm sworn in to be able to make such a recommendation. Absolutely not. We are not going to have term limits for the Supreme Court, but we might take them off the Supreme Court. You know what? 
you know, I'm no constitutional expert. That sounds like a term limit to me. If you're saying, no, we're not going to limit the amount of time that these judges can sit on the Supreme Court, but we might, after a certain period of time, move them to a different court, that is effectively a term limit. So what Joe is doing here is what he does all the time, which is, absolutely, I support up. But, and, and by supporting up, what I mean is I support down. Yeah, I totally support East. East is what I support. I totally can get behind East. And that means I support West. It means he always does this with these, these opposite issues. So he's leaving himself open. He doesn't know what he believes. He's never known what he believes. He believes whatever is popular and he convinces himself to believe that. And unfortunately right now, what's popular is packing the court. What's popular is term limiting conservatives in particular. What's popular is politicizing the court more so than it already is. And so Joe's going to go along with it if he gets elected. There's no doubt in my mind. I don't think Joe cares one way or the other. Just like I don't care about the race or sex of the Supreme Court justice one way or the other, I certainly think Joe does not care whether they pack the court, whether they don't pack the court. He just wants to be the president and have a post office named after him. That's all he wants. The actual government, that can be left to somebody else. He gets very confused. He, we know that he gets very confused. It seems though he's got a pretty good chance of becoming president because the Democrats are committing voter fraud. You don't need to take my word for it. Joe admitted it himself. Secondly, we're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Couldn't have put it better myself. I guess Joe is honest every once in a while. <laughs> you know, that guy, he, he normally talks out of both sides of his mouth, but there, there was no other side. <laughs> he just said, listen, I got to thank you guys. You helped us do it under Obama. I, you know, wish it worked better under Obama, but you've helped us put together the most inclusive, wonderful, greatest voter fraud apparatus in American history. That's probably true. I have to agree with fact check. True. <laughs> Watch, they're going to, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> the fact checking websites are going to fact check me just repeating Joe Biden's words. And they're going to say that I'm lying and he's telling the truth. <laughs> Wait for it. I promise you, uh, maybe unless they're watching this show, maybe then they won't. He gets very confused. As you know. Maybe he wanted to say voter fraud prevention program, but that's not what he said. That's a Freudian slip, I think, is what you'd call it. That's where you say one thing, but me and your mother. Joe Biden obviously fell into that. He also gets confused about very personal matters. So in this same interview, he was, he was talking about his grandchildren, and he misstated how many grandchildren he has. You guys have such an enormous following, not only with my children, my grown children, but my five grandchildren who range in age from 27 to, uh, to 14, or no, that's not true, 16. She'd be very upset. I said 14. That's not true either. He actually doesn't have five grandchildren. He has seven grandchildren and they don't ra range down to age 14. They range down to age two or even, even a little bit younger, maybe. He's got these two new kids from Hunter Biden, one, an illegitimate child with his, his mistress, one of his mistresses, and then the other one with his new wife born almost around the same time. Now you might say, well, Joe's just getting confused. I don't think Joe's getting confused here. I don't think Joe forgot those grandkids. 
I think Joe is choosing not to acknowledge them because he's done this a number of times. He's been called out for it. Hunter Biden is the number one scandal in his presidential campaign. I don't think Joe just forgot that Joe Biden, that Hunter Biden has these two kids. And, and this is where I think good old nice Scranton Joe, he's just a good fella. He's just a nice guy. I think that breaks down because I think Joe is choosing not to acknowledge two of his own grandkids. And I think that's a very cruel, wrong, immoral thing to do. And I think if you're those kids and you grow up and you know, you've got a schmuck dad and you know, you come from this very powerful, you know, longstanding Washington political family and your grandpa, Joe Biden, refused to acknowledge you. I think that's going to make you feel pretty bad. I think that's going to give you some problems down the line. And I think Joe Biden is doing it intentionally because he doesn't want to acknowledge that he's got these extra kids. And I think it's a very, very mean, cruel thing to do. And no one's held him to account for it. Even the conservatives, as far as I can tell, don't hold him to account. What, what the conservatives often do is they'll say, ha ha, Joe, you don't forget those two extra kids that were born out of wedlock that ha ha, you know, is because Hunter Biden slept with a stripper and, you know, use it as a way to basically attack Hunter Biden. Just think about it from the kid's perspective. Imagine you, if you didn't know your grandfather, if your grandfather refused to acknowledge you, you'd probably feel pretty bad about that. And Joe Biden should feel bad about that because what he's doing is very wrong. He does a lot of things that are very wrong, but then he plays it off because he's got that big grinning smile, those big fake teeth. And he smacks you on the back and he says, oh, hey there, corn pop. What's going on, malarkey? Come on, man. I don't think you can come on, man, that. Come on, man. Acknowledge your grandkids. He does get confused, though. Joe Biden does get confused, such as when he forgets who the president of the United States is. Uh, Joe Biden was doing an interview and he appeared to think that the president is named George. This is the most consequential, not because I'm running, but because who I'm running against. This is the most consequential election uh, in, a, in a long, long, long time. And the character of the country, in my view, is literally on the ballot. What kind of country we're going to be? Mm-hmm. Four more years of George, uh, George, uh, he uh, is going to find ourselves in a position where if uh, Trump gets elected, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in a different world. Four more years of George, uh, of George, uh, well, if we, uh, 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 so right now, some people think that Joe Biden was confused and thought that George W. Bush was, or George H.W. Bush was still president or George Washington. I don't know. He was, he was around for all three as far as I can tell. That's one theory. He confused the president. It's not Donald Trump. He thinks it's George Bush. The other theory is he was talking to George Lopez. George Lopez, the, the actor, was interviewing him. And so he, got, he just repeated George Lopez's name. And then I have a third theory, which nobody's talking about. So the first theory sounds the most plausible because there, he just ran right into it, right? He said, if we have four more years of George, uh, of George, uh, so there was no break. It wasn't, if we have four more years comma, George. If we have four more years of this, George, if we have four more years of Donald, George, it it wasn't that. He just ran right into it. We have four more years of George. So there might be something to that idea that he still thinks George Bush is the president. If he were talking to George, there, there would be a George Lopez. There would be a, like a comma in there, or it might be the case that sometimes his brain just gets so fried that he just kind of very quickly shifts to another topic when he can't finish his own sentence. So maybe there's a possibility there. What I think was happening is his, his brain just popped a little bit like it usually does. It just kind of overheated. And he was trying to buy time because he couldn't remember the name of the president. 
Okay, I think that's the most charitable, most uh, conservative read of this is he forgot Donald Trump's name. And so he said the first name that popped into his head, and maybe he was thinking of George Bush, maybe he was thinking about George Lopez, maybe he was thinking about George of the Jungle. And he just said, we have four more years, George, 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 Trump. I don't even know if he got to Trump. Either way, any of those three options, not good. You've got a guy who is going to be the leader of the free world. Don't forget, the president of the United States isn't even just the president of the United States. That would be enough. But he's the leader of the free world. The American election is the global election, at least for the West, but even beyond the West. When Ruth Ginsburg died, there was mourning in other countries. In South America, people were talking about how awful it was that there was the death of this judge. Okay, there are debates over the American Supreme Court in Europe. I mean, that, that, that shows you the kind of extent of the American empire. And this guy, his brain doesn't work very well. Not a good situation to be in. So what does that mean? Does that mean that Kamala Harris is going to be the president, the real president, the shadow president? Is it going to be some other staffer? I don't know. What I do know, though, is that if Biden can't, can't make the long run, Kamala Harris isn't going to be much better. Kamala just did a long series of interviews. Incredibly, despite how bad Biden is, she's almost as bad. She was asked the question, how left-wing are you? Because Kamala Harris has been considered one of, if not the single most left-wing member of the United States Senate. She was asked about this on 60 Minutes. Didn't have much of an answer. You're very different in the policies that you've supported in the past. You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I, I, somebody said that, and it actually was Mike Pence on the debate stage. But. Yeah. Well, actually, the nonpartisan GovTrack has rated you as the most liberal senator. You supported the Green New Deal. You supported Medicare for All. You've supported legalizing marijuana. Oh, that awkward laugh went away real quick, didn't it? She always does it. She always goes for this really obviously disingenuous laugh when she has no answer. But she didn't even get to the laugh quick enough. Say, so you're the most liberal member of the Senate. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, uh, Pence said that. No, I was Pence, right? Always trying to shift off the blame, always trying to avoid the question. That was Pence, that was Pence. And then this woman on 60 Minutes, to her credit, she goes, no, no, that was like every independent adjudicator of these questions. I actually said that you're the, but by your voting record, you're the most liberal senator. And then you just see that ha 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 artificial laugh just sort of slowly melt into this. One thing that I was actually surprised about with Kamala Harris is how untalented she is. I, I did believe that she was a talented politician going in, you know, she attorney general to California senator. She's relatively young. She's So I just thought she must be talented, but I hadn't seen that much of her and she's not, she's really bad at this. She might, she might be the most liberal senator. She might be the least talented member. Even Maisie Hirono, who talk about people's brains not working that well, at least Maisie Hirono has some smoothness to her rhetorical delivery. Kamala Harris has nothing. It's so stilted and awkward and the laughing. So this interviewer on 60 Minutes pushes her a little further. She says, so what's your, what's your worldview, Kamala? Are you a socialist? Are you progressive? Are you left? Are you, what, what are you? Same thing. Not much of an answer. What I will do, and I promise you this, and this is what Joe wants me to do. This was part of our deal. 
I will always share with him my lived experience as it relates to any issue that we confront. And I promised Joe that I will give him that perspective and always be honest with him. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? No. <laughs> no, it is the perspective of, of a woman who grew up a, a, a black child in America, who was also a prosecutor who also has a mother who arrived here at the age of 19 from India, who also, you know, likes hip hop. <laughs> like, what do you want to know? Uh, I don't know. I want to know anything of substance other than all that stupid, completely irrelevant nonsense that you just spouted out because you want to hide your political views. That's a totally fair question. The woman is ranked the most left-wing member of the U.S. Senate. She co-sponsored the Green New Deal, which is communism. It's just communism. It's just a nationalization of major industries, including energy, taking away virtually all energy out of the private sector, a redistribution of wealth on the likes of which we've never seen. We never saw it in the Soviet Union. A, a complete raising of people's homes, actually knocking down their homes to make them energy efficient, rebuilding every home in America in 10 years. Yeah, pretty radical stuff. So I just want to know, Kamala, do you agree with that? She goes, ha, ha, oh, ha, ha, no. So what's your perspective? And she gets so nervous. You know, it sounds like she's going to cry. She did this during the, the Mike Pence debate too. And then what does she go to? What's your perspective, Kamala? We, you want us to take you seriously. You want to be treated like a serious politician. Okay. What are your views? What does she go? She says, I'm, I'm black. Okay. Doesn't, doesn't tell me about your views. That's tells me about your skin color, which I can see because I have eyes. I, I, I'm a woman. Uh-huh. I can also see that Kamala. Mm, uh, oh, darn. Those two victim groups didn't do me any good. All right. Let me try again. My mom's an immigrant. Okay. Not a, by the way, not a victim group. Your mom chose to come here. So that's if anything, that's kind of like a point against you, right, in terms of the victim hierarchy, because you enter this country, or your family enter this country freely of their own volition. Mm, anything else? Ah, uh, uh, okay, the race thing didn't work, and the woman thing didn't work, and the immigrant thing didn't work. I like hip-hop. So, like, first of all, no, you don't. You also don't like hip-hop. She, she did this early on in the campaign when she was running for president for five minutes before she was the first one out of the race. And she, she said, oh, yeah, she was on some radio show and she was pandering. And she said, I love hip hop. Oh, yeah, I used to smoke big fat doobies, you know, when I was in college. And I'd listen to Snoop Diggity Doo Dog. And, you know, I'd listen to whatever, I don't know, Tupac. And you'd say, OK, I don't believe that for a second. But let me just Google. Oh, right. Yeah, their albums didn't come out until you were out of college. So that's a very easily checked lie. She says, so all of those things, who cares? This is why we can't take her seriously because she won't take herself seriously. If you're asked a question as a politician, what are your views on political issues? You better have an answer. That's the basic requirement is to have views on political issues if you want to be a politician. And if, you're, if your only answer is, I'm... I'm Italian. <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool, man. That's great. We're going to go back to the other guy now. But neither Kamala nor Joe Biden can give an answer on anything because they are both empty suit politicians and they just blow whichever way the wind blows. So one day Kamala is going to be a socialist. Okay. Cause that's how, how the wind's been blowing for much of her career. If it were the nineties again, you know, it was 94 again, she'd probably be just like Bill Clinton and Joe Biden actually and blow back and, oh, I'm a centrist. I'm what, she doesn't want to, she just wants to be 
the vice president. In any case, she's not ready for prime time. Why did Biden pick her? When you, when you listen to this interview, you just think, oh my God, is there nobody in the country that could do this better? Maybe there isn't. But the reason he picked her by his own explanation is because she's a black woman. That's what he said. He, he said before he ever thought of Kamala Harris, probably before he knew her name, he said, I am going to pick a black woman, a woman of color to be my vice presidential running mate. And he then committed to, to it being a black woman. And in the Democrat, there are plenty of uh, Republican black women, actually would be good choices. But uh, in the Democratic Party, there weren't that many at the national level who could run. So he, it was basically down to Kamala Harris, who you know, is, is not that great, but whatever, she's kind of nothing. Then Susan Rice, who was the fall man for Benghazi and who's deeply implicated in the 2016 Obama corruption scandal. So that probably wasn't going to work. And Karen Bass, who's a communist. She's the head of Congressional Black Caucus. I spoke to her on Alex Michelson's show on Fox over here. Uh, she's like an actual communist who has openly supported communist politicians and communist movements. So that probably wasn't going to work either. So Kamala's the least bad option. But there were better options. It's just that Joe Biden, because he played into this stupid race and sex game, backed himself into a corner. And now he's got a very untalented running mate, a weak running mate who only recommends herself. The only way that she recommends herself is by her race and sex. Even the genuine ideologues in the Democratic Party, people like AOC, have the same problem. She sent out one of the silliest, most frivolous tweets she's ever sent out, which I know is saying quite a lot. We'll get to it in a second. But you know, the presidential election is almost here. We have a fabulous day of programming for you. Our live stream starts on Tuesday, November 3rd. That's election day. You know, if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, maybe wait until Wednesday. But you know, uh, Tuesday, November 3rd, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific, featuring special guests, live interviews, and more leading up to a very special episode of Backstage, where we will be covering the results with you in real time. And even better, join Daily Wire now, get 25% off with code ELECTION, so that you can watch all of our election coverage live on our Apple TV and Roku app. So watch the election with us at dailywire.com and get 25% off your Daily Wire membership with code ELECTION when you sign up today. Head on over to Daily Wire. We'll be right back with a lot more. Even AOC, an actual socialist, avowed leftist ideologue, has this same problem that we're seeing here come from the left, but some right-wingers play into it, which is just always going back to race and sex, as though that's the most interesting thing about you, as though that's interesting at all, really. She was whining the other night because someone, it was the president, referenced AOC. Talks about AOC plus three. So AOC plus three is the, the other members of the squad who are all these leftists who hate America. And AOC tweets out, I wonder if Republicans understand how much they advertise their disrespect of women in debates when they consistently call women members of Congress by nicknames or first names while using titles and last names when referring to men of equal stature. Women notice it conveys a lot. So first pause right there. In the same debate where, jo where President Trump refers to AOC as AOC, he refers to Joe Biden as Joe. And Joe and, and AOC are not of equal stature. Joe, whether we like it or not, is of a much higher stature than AOC. Joe Biden is a former United States Senator and former Vice President of the United States. AOC is a member of Congress. Uh, LBJ once described the difference between the Senate and the House as the difference between chicken salad and chicken 
excrement. Uh, yeah, he used more colorful language. They're not of equal stature, but Trump still refers to Joe Biden as Joe. Anyway, she goes on. AOC is a name given to me by my community and the people. You can, y'all can call me AOC. Government colleagues referring to each other in a public or professional context, aka who don't know me like that, should refer to their peers as congresswoman, representative, etc. Basic respect 101. Lady, get over yourself. Oh my gosh, you're a, you're a member of the House of Representatives. That is the lowest office you can possibly have in the federal government. If I did somehow find myself in the House of Representatives, if I did find myself as a member of Congress, I would hide that fact. I would ask to be referred to as Mr. Knowles or Michael. I would not advertise that. Members of Congress, members of the House of Representatives are some of the least popular people in the entire country. There are years where diseases are more popular than members of the House of Representatives. Get over yourself. By the way, do you know where Trump might have heard this nickname AOC? You know where he might have heard it from? Your Twitter handle, which is AOC, they're initials. There's nothing bigoted about initials. But the only thing that this woman can even say to recommend herself is, I'm a woman. I'm a woman. That's why you're talking to me. Because what? Because nobody ever referred to Barack. Nobody ever referred to Bill Clinton. They called Bill Clinton Bubba. Is that disrespectful? What about, what about Joe? We talk about Joe, Sleepy Joe, Little Marco. What about any of those? Low energy jab? Any of those, is that disrespectful? I get, maybe those actually are disrespectful. AOC is not. This cult, because obviously this is a very stupid tweet of hers, but listen to what is beneath it. She's saying, some people can refer to me by that and it's respectful, but other people cannot refer to me by that name because it's disrespectful. And I'm not even going to tell you the objective criteria for who can refer to me as AOC, right? She says it's community and the people. What is that? It's so subjective. And there's no way to know until you say it. There's no way to know who is allowed to call her AOC and who is not allowed to call her AOC. Because at the very bottom, at the very most extreme basic level of this ideology is a denial or dismissal of objective reality. This is, that has always been at the basis of uh, Marxism, progressivism, the various leftist ideologies that have cropped up over the last 150 years. It's this denial of reality. We will change human nature. We will change. The world is no longer governed by fixed laws. We're in the world of evolution. We're in the world of transforming human nature and progressing toward utopia. That's what, obviously AOC doesn't know any of this because she's never cracked the spine of any book that would even suggest these things. But that is at the basis of what she's learned essentially through slogans. We can change the world. We can change objective reality. But that cult of subjectivism and identity politics is maddening. I don't mean it makes you mad and angry. I mean, I mean, it makes you mad in the sense that it makes you crazy, makes you lose your mind because there's nothing to, to rely on anymore in the, in the objective world. There's a woman who just went viral on this point. Woman who posted a TikTok video so many problems begin with posting TikTok videos. She posted a TikTok video about how she was talking to her father and convinced him to vote for Joe Biden. Just take a listen. She opens this. This is my 55-year-old conservative dad. She's holding up little cards. Has never voted Democrat in his life. He's dying of aplastic anemia. 
we've had some intense exchanges, yeah, presumably, about him voting for Trump this year. What a, what a way to waste time with your dad who's dying, which has been painful since we'll almost certainly lose him in the next few weeks and months. He has six daughters who love him dearly. Yesterday, he was so excited to tell me he just voted for Biden-Harris 2020, four exclamation points, because it matters to my girls, and my girls matter to me. Vote for the guy who respects women. If my very Republican dad can, so can you. I think I'm going to vote for the guy who is supported by people who respect their parents, their dying parents. This woman is sick. She has got a sickness that a lot of people, I think, have right now in this culture, almost exclusively on the left. Can you imagine this? She says, my dad is dying. How sad is that? He's dying of a a disease that I believe uh, makes it difficult for your blood to carry oxygen. I think that's what aplastic anemia is. And we're having these intense exchanges. Yeah, of course you would. That's what you do when your parent is dying. You have these very intense moments. It's a terribly sad time. And the intense exchanges are about Donald Trump. Donald Trump, could you imagine wasting your precious remaining moments with your parents on Donald Trump or any politician for that matter? How sick, how warped does your head have to be? And then to exert all this emotional manipulation on a dying man, your dying father, to vote for Joe Biden? Who gives a damn? Who cares? Joe Biden doesn't even care. Some days he doesn't even know he's running for president. Joe Biden, who doesn't believe in a thing? That's it? That's, That's what you want the last moments to be? Sick stuff. Now, what's really, this obviously isn't about Joe Biden because, or Kamala Harris for that matter, because neither of them have any beliefs. They're the least inspiring politicians ever, just about. What this is, is a religious cult. Progressivism, leftism, secular liberalism, whatever you want to call it, is a religious cult. Because a more typical reaction, if a parent or a loved one is dying, is to consider eternal questions. Where do we go after we die? What is this life about? What am I made for? What is, what is, is there something more than this life? Try to get right with God. If you do have a faith, you'd like to nudge your friends and family members over to that faith. Maybe get baptized. Maybe if you're already baptized, confess your sins, receive the Eucharist, receive the sacraments, get right with God. And that's what this woman I think is doing too. She's saying, get right with God. But, but in the cult of secular liberalism, the, the sacrament is voting for this crook, Joe Biden. That's the, the sacrament is voting. That's why you have to vote. Vote or die. <laughs> we might say receive the sacraments or die in the, in the eternal life. What they're saying, vote or die. You have to vote. Why? Vote doesn't, it's fine. My life will go on if I don't vote. If I didn't know anything about the issues, I, it would be better if I didn't vote but you have to. This is the last dad. I know we've only got a few moments left. Vote for Joe Biden. How sad, how deeply sad is that for this woman, for her family, for the country? Very sad stuff, very crazy stuff. You should not be doing that. Speaking of women, speaking of crazy stuff, Tampax, the women's hygiene company, 
Just tweet it out. Fact. Not all women have periods. That's true. Menopause, uh, pre, pre-pubescent. Right? Also a fact. Not all people with periods are women. There you lose me. Uh, I was with you. I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. There you lose me. Let's celebrate the diversity of all people who bleed. Hashtag myth busting, hashtag period truths, hashtag trans is beautiful. So first of all, I guess they thought this was referring to transgenderism. You know, if a, a woman pretends to be a man, that she, obviously she could still uh, menstruate. And therefore, if you, if you believe that a woman can just become a man by saying so, then a man can menstruate. You know, the, the, there's a little leap of logic that's going on here that isn't totally kosher, namely that you can just become the other sex by wishing it so. But also, this, I like the idea of this phrase, people who bleed. We've taken woman, lady, even some sort of disparaging terms for women, broad, dame, whatever. We've taken different words to mean woman. And we have taken out all of their vividness. We've taken out all of the color. We've taken out all of the beauty or, you know, graphic imagery. Of the, we've taken it all out. And we've just made it so clinical. People who bleed. Well, that's everybody. I bleed. Not that way, but I do bleed. If you cut me, do I not bleed? If I, you know, now I'm evoking my inner Shakespeare. Is that the world we want to live in? where we can't call anything by any name that has specificity or meaning or color or truth to it because everything has to be clinical and we all have to be the same. Th- that impulse comes from an impulse within liberalism, which is to make everybody exactly the same. So men, ha- of course men have to become women. Of course any kind of romantic arrangement has to be exactly the same as any other kind of romantic arrangement. Of course any kind of relationship has to be any ki- like any other kind of relationship. Of course, natural institutions like the family or, you know, very basic institutions like local government, local townships, civil society, of course those have to go away, all to the, to the hyper-atomization of the individual. Why? Because then we're all more equal. But we're still differentiated, right? We're differentiated on the basis of sex, most notably. So you've got to get rid of that too. Got to get rid of that too. And I love that it begins with Fact. Fact. Men have periods. Mm. Do you know what fact means? Tells you a lot about fact checking. I was discussing this the other day on on the backstage show. Over the past 10 years or so now, maybe maybe a little bit longer, so so about 10 years, we've had fact checks. This is relatively new as a popular phenomenon in the media. The idea that some politician says something and you fact check it. There are no fact checks. There's no such thing as a fact check in in the popular press. There are left-wing opinion columns to varying degrees of extremism, and they call themselves fact checks because the left refuses to acknowledge that there is another perspective. For the left, only their perspective is legitimate. Other perspectives are illegitimate. For the left, only their candidates are legitimate. The other candidates are illegitimate, which is why if the other candidate wins, they don't accept the results of the election, which they didn't do in 2016. They still still haven't accepted those results, and they have already said they're not going to accept the results of 2020. Hillary Clinton said Joe Biden shouldn't concede under any circumstances. There is no fact check. It's just a left-wing opinion column. And that's, that's what they're doing here. That's what the Washington Post is doing. The Washington Post, this was an amazing line. 
So they've got this piece. Insisting that the Hunter Biden laptop is fake is a trap. So is insisting that it's real. The lesson of 2016 is to be even more careful with potential disinformation in 2020. And here's the money line. We must treat the Hunter Biden leaks as if they were a foreign intelligence operation, even if they probably aren't. We must. How do you figure? How's that? We know that they're not a foreign intelligence operation. The director of national intelligence and the director of the FBI have told us that it's not a foreign intelligence operation. We know it's legit. We got pictures of Hunter Biden on the computer. So we know it's legit. We don't think it's some Photoshop artist who's just really good at painting lifelike images of Hunter Biden in compromising positions with various types of pipes. No, it's real. But they're saying we have to pretend that they're a foreign intelligence operation. Why? Because Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness. Washington Post, fact check. Why do we have to lie about reality? Why do we have to ignore reality? Because when the left has to choose between their ideology and what they see with their own eyes, they will choose the ideology. The left, we often joke about the left as people who say, who cares if it works in practice? Does it work in theory? Always prioritize the abstract over the real. For the left, their ideology is truer even than the fact of what happened. You know, getting back to the story at the top of the show, the the riots are ostensibly about police brutality. We know there wasn't police brutality in this instance that caused the rioting in Philly. The guy that, that was shot had a knife coming at the cops. Clear as day, what, what would happen? What, would, what you would have happen if we followed procedure? But whenever this happens, whenever one of these police-involved killings is justified, take Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake, warrant after his arrest, accused of sexual assault, uh, resists arrest, reaches into a car with a weapon, and the, the complainant's kids in the car about to drive off. Finally, the cops discharge their weapon. Even in that case, what, what does the left always say? They always say, well, okay, this instance, maybe it was justified. Sometimes they'll admit that. Sometimes they won't. But when they do admit it, they'll say, okay, maybe this was justified. So maybe this specific instance wasn't true as we're describing it. But it gets to a greater truth. But it doesn't. Lies don't get to greater truth. Lies are lies. What they mean by greater truth is their ideology. Their ideology, which continues to be disproven time and time again by reality. So they ignore the reality. They openly, they brazenly ignore the reality. They say, don't admit the reality. Just follow our ideology. I think we would be very foolish as reasonable people, conservatives, independents, non-leftists. I think we would be very foolish to buy into their ideology too. So let's not do it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, 
Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. And production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. 